0: Hey, everyone, we want to take a moment to tell you about the
1: sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt's as the company who makes those rad all overprint button downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar,
0: Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends,
1: all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button downs, but t-shirts. They do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to RSVLTS.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's RSVLTS.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase.
0: Hello there, and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm Adam Russell. I'm alive.
2: After six weeks off the pod, maybe seven. I don't know. I'm the worst employee. I'm the worst business partner. Jesus. I'm amazed that I haven't been fired. I'm Ryan Key, and I'm back.
3: After that intro. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Mike Forster. I've been filling in for Ryan Key and also cosplaying as Nick Amberian, cosplaying as Roy Kent. So, what a <laughs> treat for us all to
0: be here, all over the place. Oi. 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 Mike, are you also trying to get yourself fired from your own podcast, speaking of being off?
3: uh, No, actually, I my podcast that I am the owner of. Uh, actually, You have a podcast? Tell the people about your podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually on it's this back. network. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we dropped a new episode on tuesday and uh it was awesome because uh it's very fitting uh Raimi, who is uh, one of the dad batch is uh it was very fitting for season two of yeah. the end of bad batch which we're going to talk about so yeah armor party check it out if you're getting into it it's going to be a good time they're all going to be in london ryan they'll see you over there
2: yeah are we are we gonna pod from there? We are somehow, right? You have to. We have to. You have got
0: to Gotta record something. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out. You have to. I'll be there before. I'll be there when we're supposed to pod, like on Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I don't think Nick gets in until Thursday, and then the convention is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But I'm I get into London on Tuesday, so I'll be around. I was just thinking Nick and I could do something cool, like while we're there, maybe. I don't know.
0: Love it. Yeah. Just let's do uh, some bonus content. We'll put it up for patrons or something. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. Well, we have a lot to talk about. We're all sleep-deprived. I'm in Bangkok, Thailand. It's um, 9 in the morning for me. It's 10 p.m. for these dudes. Time is weird.
2: I'm not that sleep-deprived. I'm just old. Yeah, true. You're deprived of I'm tired. life. I'm just I'm deprived mm-hmm. of youth. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's get right into our... Well, let's do Bad Batch immediate reactions because we had the finale of the Bad Batch Season 2. Mm. <clears throat> like, the, for me... The heaviest cartoon finale I've ever seen or, you know, end of a movie, anything like that, for me, I don't know. Other people were maybe more affected by Toy Story or some shit like that. But this one got me. Oh, my God. Mike, what did you think?
3: I think there was a lot of people that have been talking about what this season was supposed to do, right? And we have gotten more character development for almost every single individual member of the Bad Batch in some some point. And I think as we were getting that, I was like, oh, isn't this just a Dave Filoni joint to go ahead and lift us up just so he can punch us in the face repeatedly? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's pretty much what happened. And then it ended so abruptly. I'm watching it and getting such Empire Strikes Back like, vibes from this whole thing. Because like, there, there was many moments of like, hey, that's amazing. But the overall tone just got so dark, right? Yeah. Very Empire to me uh and and again just Lucasfilm animation continues to absolutely crush it shout out to Scott Zenteno and all of these amazing people who are working on the show uh because i know that the internet has not always been kind uh when it doesn't appease them immediately imagine that this was a great this was a a great season looking back on it, it was fantastic and ended probably the it ended way better than season 1 in my opinion for sure
0: Ryan how about you <sighs>
2: man i only watched them both once and the finale was so insane that a lot of the first half of the finale actually i'm i'm still i'm kind of like what what was it again (laughs) because it was so i was so floored by the ending i love the lived in imperial feel of this whole season when when they leaned hard into that and these two episodes really, I, th- I think really leaned into that. Obviously like all the facilities we saw, you know, I mean, you, m- you're, you might as well have been walking around in the Death Star. And I think that's a cool, I think that's a good thing. You know, I I like to see that. And I just, to to take out a, a main character, it's always, it's always, it's always a gutsy move, Mav, you know, yeah. and the way that it happened so quickly and unexpectedly. So I'll, I'll say to listeners. I was given a task today to put together uh favorite moment comments from our patrons at, uh, at patreon.com slash think Nice. So
3: nice
2: I've, I, when I was asked to do that, I hadn't finished the episodes yet. No, I knew what I was getting into. I knew I was probably going to see or read something that was going to spoil something for me. And I did. So I knew about tech before I watched the episode, but mm-hmm. It still almost wasn't a spoiler for me, honestly, because I really admire what they did by having that moment in the first act of the first act of the episode. Yeah. You know, it was like right away. There wasn't that much build up to it. I mean, obviously, I knew because I saw the spoiler when he was hanging from that cable. I knew this is this is happening, you know. But if I was watching it for the first time, I didn't know that. When when he just dropped the line, when have we ever followed orders? And that's it. And he's out. Oh. And there's no. There was no. There's no moment. There's nothing. There's no mourning. There's no. You know, in in Star Wars, you know, Luke by Yoda's bed, the the Jedi that that sort of vanishes. I mean, I guess Obi Wan in in the in A New Hope, that's a real fast sort of unexpected death. But a lot of times you get the like everyone crowded around saying yeah, yeah. goodbye to whoever's injured or dying or whatever, you know. And this was a, a very Obi Wan an original trilogy og surprise death like that you know and yeah i i just i think it was a really bold move and then the last thing i'll say i guess is everything they're doing and and in these last two episodes more than i I, obviously they've been hinting at it the entire season not just in bad batch but in other places too with cloning and what where we're we're going with all of this but these last two episodes man (laughs) contrary to popular belief I do show think for kids. These sho- yeah, for sure. I don't think these shows, Bad Batch or whatever else, providing backstory for the sequel trilogy, which is what I think is happening here, is a bad thing. I think it's awesome. I think it's cool. I think it's fascinating. I think other people's interpretation of other people's art is fascinating. When I listen to a record, I'm fascinated by my interpretation of what someone else created. I think their ability to take these films that have been so polarizing and so divisive and say, you know what, we're going to interpret and get it cleared with the story group that this is what we think led to this moment and we're watching it happen. And if you're still a fan and you're still on the train, then you accept what the story group gives us. Cause that's what we've signed up for and we're stoked to hear it. And, and so i I'm, I just, I'm so here for it. I, I, I was so enjoyed knowing like, Oh man, you know, it's like, I'm, ex- I'm more excited about the bad batch than I have been from the beginning of the show. Because yeah. now it's shit's getting real. It's just they're going somewhere with this that ties into the Skywalker saga for real, but still holds its own. But lives on its own as its own show and its own story arc. But it, you know, it's all connected in just such a cool way. So I love that. Um, I love the little, you know, just just the again like the lived in feeling of the Empire. Director Krennic, tell us about Project Stardust. <sighs> like, dude, nice, this, dude. just the, this all <laughs> that stuff is just so sick, man. And I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm just not going to listen to anyone who doesn't like it. Cause it's new. Pisses me off. It was so good. Yeah.
3: Um, moving, you know, really, it was, and it was voiced by Ben Mendelssohn. I in the credits. Dude, Amazing.
2: It, and it, how one last thing,
3: just to react yeah, to yeah, this. this whole ahead. season,
2: tech and Omega's relationship through the whole season. Most importantly, the, the flight training at the, at the very end, that was such an important scene, man, their, their time together. And that playfulness and that that sort of... I mean, they're all her dad in a different way. Yeah. I think that's something really cool about this show to look at is like they're clones. They're all the same person. So they're like different personalities of, of her dad, right? Imagine your dad when he's being fun, when he's being strong, when he's being serious, when you're in trouble, when he's teaching you something. They all provided all those different roles for her as a father. And I think her relationship with tech that they... Now we know deliberately... To use the phrase again, like leaned into in this season means more than ever. Yeah, man, just man, I'm
3: sad again. Yeah,
0: wow. One of the most special parts about that relationship between Tech and Omega to me is how she changed him, and how mm-hmm. you know a, a parent learns from a child, kind of thing. A teacher learns from a student, and it's not a lesson in like a traditional sense. It's not even like a life lesson that he necessarily specifically looks back and says. Yes, thank you, Omega. I learned from you. Mm-hmm. You can just see how he slowly evolved. And uh, again, credit to the animation team. You could see it in his face, just like the the nuance of his expressions. You could hear it in his voice. You know, shout out to D Bradley Baker for that. Even the very last line. You know, when do we ever follow orders? It was Tech's voice, but it was Tech going to a different place because he was at the end, literally at the mm-hmm. end of his rope. You know, and uh, I. I think it was so beautifully paced in a way that even though every cell in my body was like, "Oh my God, they're so screwed. There's no way they can get out of this." I still wasn't quite expecting him to say, "Screw it," and just cut the line until the last few moments. You know, the buildup was there. I, I was, it was a like real time like, "Oh God, no. Oh God, no." Mm-hmm. And then it happened, and it felt right. It didn't feel like something that got the short end of the stick in the edit you know like sometimes happens sometimes uh sacrifices like that aren't fully earned there are other moments in star wars which we don't have to reference here that that didn't earn it as well as this damn cartoon did you know yeah. and it, it just god it really really impacted me and you mentioned this before hoping that they that they stick with it that there isn't some kind of thing where he landed on a cloud (laughs) he survived like i i think i think they're gonna own it yeah
2: i said that i said that for listeners i said that before we started just you know sometimes in the animated stuff when hemlock shows up with the goggles and throws them on the floor you know you just hope that that's not like oh hold on to hope because maybe tech is now a a clone experiment you know but i yeah i don't think so I, i i think a clue to it not being that is this is really subtle and I'd have to go back and watch it to make sure I'm correct about the color, the coloring. But whenever he had them on, they almost seemed like they had a a little bit of like illumination to the, like they they had that like orangish yellow sort of tone to them. And Mm -hmm. they, you know, they were part of his face. Right. But when he threw them on the ground, they were cracked, they were shattered and they were like gray.
0: They were like, like, the goggles were dead. They were dead. Yeah.
2: They were dead. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, (sighs) dude, (laughs) it's great show for kids and dude talk, talk, talking about the yeah, show, talk, show for kids like you saying show for kids that ends like the empire strikes back like you guys are saying dude, like
2: i had to I, I i stepped out when it was over and walked the dog i needed a minute you know and because i had just watched mando and both of those all three back to back so i had to take yeah. a breather walk the dog and i and i had a conscious thought today i remember walking my pup of like if i had a kid or people who have kids and they're asking them right now about tech.
0: Oh God, brutal. Like
2: young enough, young enough to be like really disturbed by the fact that tech is dead and not like understanding that it's k- kind of real, you know? I mean, you remember what that felt like as kids who loved movies and show like, a, like us, you know, <laughs> when yeah. you lost a character at that age, like how real it felt They, you know, they were your friends. And especially again, the relationship between Tech and Omega, he's become like this sort of. He's almost stepped in a little bit where Wrecker has been in, in the previous hundred percent seasons of being her bro, being her bud, not just a father figure, but like her friend. You know, they have they had a real bond. So I think as a kid who relates most
0: to Omega in the show, I can't imagine that, dude. Anyway, and then they closed the whole thing a solemn dog walk. Closed the whole thing, talking about relationships and. Knowing like your place in the universe and and family and all this with this villain who, as we predicted, is Omega's sister. This scientist with mm-hmm. the Kiwi accent. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is her mm-hmm. name? Do we ever get her name?
3: Uh, Scald Scalder. Scalder. Her name Scaldor. Hmm. I'm
0: thinking yep. X Files. Oh
3: yeah, nice. But S- uh, <laughs> skull- <laughs> Scald I get it.
0: But uh, yeah, and then good. the the zoom out at the end. The. <laughs> like the stepped back out from Mount Tantus was just like, it was like hammer, hammer, hammer on your heart at the end. After all that, God, what a show.
2: Mount Tantus is the Thrawn Tril- trilogy mountain, right?
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Dude. They're doing it.
2: If you're listening to this, it's, it's almost a waste of time to read them because they're not canon. But then it's not because if you just like reading something that's amazing you have to go back and read the Thrawn tri- the original Thrawn trilogy from the 90s.
0: Well, we could talk about The Bad Batch for another hour straight, which we will do sooner than later, hopefully, because The Bad Batch hasn't been getting the attention it deserves on this podcast with The Mandalorian going on. So we'll do a full recap. Maybe we'll do it as just like an extended live stream or something because there's so much to talk about. There's a bunch of Den of Antiquity stuff that we missed, and we'll get into that in a few weeks. But right now, let's talk about The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 5, that's Chapter 21, The Pirate, Let's Do Stolen Plans.
1: Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this
0: podcast, Roosevelt's.
1: You may know Roosevelt as the company who makes those rad, all-over-print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star
0: Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE... The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including
1: new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button downs, but t-shirts. They do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to RSVLTS.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again that's rsvlts.com use promo code thankthemaker to get 20% off of your first purchase. What
0: have you done with those plans? The Mandalorian Chapter 21: The Pirate debuted today March 29th, 2023 on Disney Plus. Disney Plus description: The people of Navarro need protection from rampant pirate attacks. That they do. Directed by Peter Ramsey, who directed a little bit feature film called Into the Spider-Verse.
3: Oh, that old
0: thing. Uh, that's all you need to say. Very good film. Uh, written by Jon Favreau, of course. Runtime 44 minutes. Guest starring Paul Sun-Hyung Lee as Carson Teva, the dude, legitimately stars in this episode. So stoked for him. And Carrie Jones as Gorian Shard, Part of this episode as well, obviously, it, uh, he's the the title character. He is most famously the dude in the suit who does chrysanthemum plays a uh, black chrysanthemum in the Book of Boba Fett, featuring also Tim Meadows from SNL and many other great <clears throat> SNL adjacent films as uh, the New Republic Colonel Tuttle. I just <laughs> I was watching with my friend Bon, our, our tech, and we were both just like because we just watched Pop Star like. On the reg, I just watched it the other day with our tour manager, and I was like, <laughs> "No fucking way!" We were just like, "What?" You know, it it takes you out of it a little bit to see somebody who's that that recognizable, especially in comedy. But
2: it's such a tough, tough thing with the, with the Star Wars universe, man. When you you can't have like those big recognizable actors in in it, because it does, it does. You're like, <laughs> walk hard. You know, it's a secret.: yeah.
3: <laughs> Who else this has yeah, been the- victimized by Regina George? <laughs>
0: yeah Yeah. yeah, that's what he told uh, Carson Teva to do is walk hard out of my office with your bullshit. I don't know. You think about Billy D. Williams at the time when Empire came out. That was probably kind of similar thing for people, but anyway, uh, Katie M O'Brien is back is Elia Kane and Steve Bloom, the voice, who knows who was in the capture suit, but Steve Bloom himself as Zeb. Aurelius. Zeb Aurelius. Holy shit. I just, dude, I just got goosebumps. Awesome.
2: Unbelievable. And it looked so good. You guys know very well how I feel about computer generated things. Sometimes I'm like, I, why?
3: It looked so good. It looks so real. Yeah. I'm wondering if the arms were practical and the the body was practical. And then His maybe facial expressions though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah
2: were definitely gen- not CGI. fully practical. I think yeah. so. Right, I, yeah, I right,
0: went right. back and watched very closely. It seems like they most likely had the, all the, the soft parts of the suit. Right. Mm-hmm. And they, they had that like really defined cuff, like the metal cuff for the forearms. Yeah. That's a nice place to cut it off. And then the collar helps. So it was probably a version of that all dotted for reference as well. And then capture suit underneath Facial rig, you know, the the kind of thing you see in every every facial capture thing. I wonder who was in the suit though, because you know you see the wide as as it comes out, and Lasat feet are pretty goofy looking. Like that, you have to be wearing those Skechers shape ups or whatever <laughs> to like get in that position.
3: They almost have like horse horse
0: ankles. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Long toes and weird stuff. But yeah,
3: it just I think I think it like it gets me so excited about what. And and it's celebrations next week, right? So we're gonna see an Ahsoka trailer. I think that's the crown jewel. We know that. Mm-hmm. But all of us were kind of thinking, like, well, what a perfect time at the end of Rebels, because you know, we assumed that Zeb would be off at his home world and that that you know package had kind of been wrapped up in a bow. And to see him here at this point, five years after Return of the Jedi like fighting with the rebellion again. Like he was
0: like, oh, I'm back, baby, you know? And I, I and Active he looks amazing,
3: which makes, I officer. mean, I'm like, he's going to be in it. It's incredible. Yeah.
0: God, dude, I was so pumped. I mean, Bon and I both, cause Bon's deep again, our, our tech, my buddy, uh, he's seen all the animation. He listens to the podcast. We talk about star Wars all the time. He's like my dude on, on tour when it comes to star Wars. And we were both like, Oh, it's like look, if you're watching the video, just looking at each other, like <laughs> they're doing it. Oh my god, it's him! Oh my god, it's him! Like it's it, there's just something about that kind of character where you know when you're watching animation, like this is a big deal to try to put this kind of species on screen, especially for TV. You know, and you see what they what they did with Young Luke, and it's like okay, well, they're flexing. They're doing some new stuff. There's some new stuff in the pipeline that can let them do feature level effects on TV. But can they go as far? as a character like a Lasat, and holy shit. The answer is yes. They nailed it. That was awesome. That was awesome. Did you guys have like, did you have like that three or four second, like time slowed down kind of thing where like, you can just all of the thoughts. It's like, Oh weird. That's a Lasat. Oh, that's sick. Oh my God. Wait, is that his voice? Oh my God. Like it was just like firing fine. Like every neuron in my brain was piecing it together as it was happening. And I just, I Couldn't have been more stoked. I'm the guy who hosts the Star
2: Wars podcast that didn't watch Rebels, so I'm <laughs> fired.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, now you gotta watch Rebels. I mean, you have to for uh, to get ready for uh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka, gotta fully yeah. catch up. Yeah. We should do uh, an Ahsoka wrap episode. Episode. Yeah. Make sure you tag at William Ryan Key. Let him know you're upset. All right. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit. I don't know. I, I kind of don't want to do a full synopsis because we're just. This is more of like an emotional reaction thing, but.
3: Do it. Run it quick.
0: I will say that I'm pretty sure we now, since we've seen the Carson Teva stuff and the descending on Navarro Mandalorian um, shot, we've we've hit everything in the trailers, right? There's nothing left. Yep. Good stuff. All right, let's do a little synopsis. We'll discuss a little, and then we'll do some Den of Antiquities. All right, we open with Gorian Shard and his pirates returning to Navarro. They're attacking... They're bummed because, I don't know, that's how criminals work. We came to your place to do crimes, and then you shot us. We're mad about it. Makes sense. Uh, Grief Karga calls the new Republic Ranger, Carson Teva, for help. Carson Teva goes to Coruscant to get approval because he can't just round up a bunch of pilots, you know, willy-nilly. He knows that if he calls them, you know, remotely, like via Hollow, they're going to tell him to suck one. So he says, I'll go get right in front of their faces. It'll be harder for them to say no. Tim Meadows says no anyway. Tells him to go pound sand.
2: Zeb says,
0: Good luck. Yeah. You're gonna, You're gonna need, need it. it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so sick.
0: You're gonna need it. Carson's next option, his plan B is to go to the Mandalorian covert to ask for their help. He knows where that is, thanks to R five. Thought that was a little like a nice little nugget to say uh someone he fought with in the rebellion.
3: Nice little
2: snitch. Yeah. Oh, you mean the most important character in all of Star Wars? Yeah.
3: Here we go. Fire it up. Here he goes. He's about
0: to go on one. It's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. So Din Djarin makes a case for helping Grief and the people in Navarro. It's not, uh, it's not obvious at first why, why they should give a shit because they did fight against Grief when he was on his bullshit before he got that new drip and before life got better for him and he was just, you know, scraping, trying to make things happen. They were very much at odds. But Din makes the case that Grief, you know, sort of had a change of heart, helped save his life and Grogu's life, and then Paz Vizsla stands up, because they're, they're doing this awesome thing in their, their, like, sort of Mandalorian town hall thing, and I noticed it as soon as we saw the, the wide establishing shot of Din standing there with the hammer, the the armorer's hammer. I was yeah. like, oh, that's because he's Like speaking. holding
2: the hammer if you're speaking? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So pumped. They're so, very respectful people. You gotta hold the conch. Yeah. <laughs> So Paz takes the hammer, he stands up and pleads his case. And at first, you're like, where is this going to go? But it it turns and it's essentially like, yes, let's do this. We're Mandalorians. Of course, we're going to all as a group go fight for this one little foundling, of course. And this comes mostly from Din having helped save Paz's son, the foundling, as well. So they have this bond now that sort of healed the wounds of their, their conflict from before.
2: I think there's something cool about them having this... Something about them, like, having it in a cave. Yeah. It's, you know, they're they're this ancient people. They're these ancient warriors. You know, you you think of them like... It's like a congregation, for sure. It's, like, very, very tribal. Yes, they're at their, like, most primal place right there, like... We're we're in the cave by firelight, yes, passing the, the, the hammer. It's like, it's like Vikings and cave people and for sure. Mandalorians. It's all, it's all in there. It's just, it's, it's so rad that, that warrior ethos that they have, you know,
0: I, I and I love that by seeing this and seeing, you know, the last couple of weeks, we're learning so much about the way mm-hmm. because it's being shown to us. It's not, a big dumb exposition drop they're showing us in conversations in scenes where they interact with each other what the way is and it's just so I, I mentioned this last week that they they punctuated this is the way
2: did you feel like you knew that paz was gonna go where he went with that with with his speech i kind of did i was like i was hoping but i i yeah i i, I kind of had a feeling that he was he was saying all of this to be like but yeah in the end you know They were so deliberate with the rescuing of his child. I just thought that was going to be, you know, that he was going to be like, we shouldn't do any of this, but we have to, because this is the way.
0: And that's, and they're very much like, I've talked about before in the podcast and an honor culture. They do things that might seem very counterintuitive, but there's something, it's like, it's very community-based. You know, if a person from one clan disrespects another, someone has to pay for it. Even if that thing is absolutely terrible, if there's redemption through, you know, risking or sacrificing yourself for, or something for that other person, that other clan, all is forgiven, you know? So it's, um, there, there's a set of rules. Like, Favreau's being very smart about laying out what the way is. It's not willy-nilly just used to move along the plot. It's smart stuff. So sh- shout out to him. All right, moving on with the synopsis here. So Bo-Katan lays out a plan in a, um, a montage style, like battle plan debriefing. We mon- need
2: a montage!
0: Exactly. <laughs> Is this the first time we've ever had this style of montage in Star Wars? I mean, we had the... I can't remember any other time.
3: We had the training session of... <laughs> I really want to listen to the Team America soundtrack right mm-hmm. now. Quill and uh, Mando training the the blurg.
0: Yeah. Yes. I guess it, I guess it was the, like how the on-screen spoken dialogue then becomes voiceover as the action starts to happen and the... You know, the sound, the, the score ramps up, and as she finishes laying out the plan, the action starts. hmm I don't think we've seen it like that yet, like, full-on, like, action movie style. So they go to Navarro. Sick dogfights and street battles ensue. Like, some of the best dogfighting we've seen yet, as far as I'm concerned.
3: Gosh, give um, us the movie, right? Give us the Top really? Gun and Star Wars, please. I know. I know. Mando,
0: come on. We were also bummed when we lost the uh, the razor crest, but the N1, the way he flies it, rips. I'm I'm it not even rips. remotely bummed anymore.
2: There was a ripping montage for the building of the N1, wasn't there?
0: Yeah. Wasn't that Good a point. fun yeah.
2: like montage with the little droids like bringing all the parts <laughs> yeah. over and shit? Yeah. No, not that, <laughs> that one.
3: Was fun. No, not that one. All right, yeah, that
0: would've worked. <laughs> so in short, they defeat Gorian Shard. We need a
3: montage! <laughs>
0: So, in short, sorry. they defeat Gorian Stalk Shard and his main pirate. Uh, I forget the name of the pirate. Are we just going to be okay with Shard. We're all good with that. The name Shard? Sharded. Yeah. He, yeah, he just sharded. Yeah. I mean, it's. Sharded the whole I get ship. It.
2: It's a D. It's not a T, but. Uh,
0: anyway, it's sorry. a sharp D. Carry
2: on. I mean, I'm, in team, I'm, in, I'm in South Park mine now. <laughs> I'm trying that brain now. Nice.
0: His main pirate, what is his name, Mike? Vane. Vane. He's the last one standing. He bugs out, tells Gorian Shard, "Sorry about you, but I'm out of here." Mike, you had a really nice little thought about where he might be going and what his next uh, dude to roll with might be. You want to just say it? Well, we don't speculate on this podcast, so speculate, Mike.
3: We don't we don't speculate on this podcast. But if he showed up and said, "Mo Vane, what have you brought for me?" and we find uh-huh. out that it is Hondo Onaka, baby, and that is our connection. because if you think about it like truly right like a pirate's life for me it's not like Vane can like show up anywhere and fit in like literally guys probably wanted all over the new republic so you'd go to find other pirates
0: yeah you join a crew it's only a matter of time
3: onaka gang we know that hondo thanks to galaxy's edge is like fully doing work so we're about to get it
0: Back to the
2: N1 really quick. Just this is cool. Pa- pa- Patron Zach said he loves how the Mando squeal, like the, the recorder plays every time the N1 enters this frame. Yeah. yeah every time.
0: Yeah, I can't get enough. So it. sick. Dude, there was also a great, um, oh God, what was it? He brought back a line from, uh, oh, when Grief Karga says, you know, you're, you're outnumbered 10 to 1 or whatever. And he brings back the line from episode one. I like those odds. I like those odds. And the score comes in perfect timing.
3: I like those. And then grief goes, I know you do. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I was like, say the thing, do the thing, do the thing. And he's
0: like, uh, I like those
3: odds. And I was like, you did the thing. yeah. Yes.
0: So uh, battle's over. They have a nice little, like, I'm, I'm trying to, think, I was asking you guys before, like w- there, there are vibes from like action movies or vibes from like procedural Crime shows or, or all the stuff in this episode that was pulling from from different genres and different different types of storytelling. The meeting at the end, well, you know, everyone's patting each other on the back and saying, like, you know, it's like an award ceremony in a way. Where grief grants them the tract of land. He says, "From so and so to so and so belongs to the Mandalorians." So and you may not have a home planet, but now you have a home. So sick, and it had it right, right. a very like warm and fuzzy feeling.
3: It kind of felt it kind of felt like the end of Book of Boba Fett right? Like, where yeah. everyone's kind of sitting around after, like, the big battle, and they're like, alright, what do we do from here, guys? You know? It it kind of had that, it kind of had that vibe, but I think that conversation, I mean,
0: the part that we're kind of, like, glossing over a little bit is the Armorer... Well, I was about to say, that was of, that was false ending number one, and now we go on to false ending true. number two, where <laughs> Armorer, the Armorer calls Bo-Katan into the old covert near the old forge, and finally kind of answers finally it hasn't been that long answers what we were wondering like okay so she told her she saw a mythosaur and she just brushed it off what the hell she brings it up Mm -hmm. says that her having seen the mythosaur was a sign of a new age of mandalore a new age of mandalorian culture she commands her to take off her helmet and i was like oh god where is this going
2: yeah, we're thinking, right? We're thinking like, oh, no, she's like going to say, never mind, you know, I've let you come this far, but you're not a real Mandalorian or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. I fully got that vibe. Yeah. Or like, you must not like, understand the way. I got the vibe. This is a bad thing. Yeah,
0: like, oh, you're an apostate again. a bad again. thing. You know? Yeah. Instead, she tells her that, she essentially says like, you don't have to wear the helmet. You've been following our way. And I understand now through this, this sign of you having seen the Mythosaur, That you are the one who can unite all the clans. You're the one that can bring the Mandalorians back together. Uh, You walk...
2: The rightful leader of Mandalore? Yeah. I
0: mean, it's... You walk both worlds, and you will be the one to unite all Mandalorians. Takes her out to uh, the rest of the folks in the covert, and they're all, like, Tom DeLong in the video with the, what the... (laughs) Face, <laughs> first you know? state video as she walks out <laughs> yeah as she walks out without a helmet on and she's got this look on her face like oh god oh god oh god oh, god, oh no oh no what are we gonna do um <laughs> and the armorer tells them the same thing like look she walks both worlds she's gonna unite the mandalorians we're gonna retake mandalore this is the way mm. all is forgiven
3: i'm like thinking of din like, he was, like, helping Grogu, and he, like, looks over, and here comes Bo-Katan without her helmet on. And he's got to be like, do you know how much work we put in <laughs> to do this? <laughs> Where's your helmet?
0: <laughs> Damn it. Do you not know that this is the way? Uh, my neighbor's in this hotel. I have no idea what's going on. All right. So on to false ending, or actual ending now. Ending number three.
2: Which is, which was like a post credit scene, yeah. but not post-credits. Right.
0: So Carson Teva cruising through space. I assume he's on his way back from uh, from Coruscant, right? He comes upon this derelict Lambda class shuttle floating. Now, now it switches to horror movie vibes, right? Dude, it was it
2: was it was like uh, son, Danny Boyle Sunshine. Yeah. Like when they when they board the Icarus One. Yeah. And like the dust is every you yeah. know dust. What that's creepy line he says. The doctor says, "Dust is." 70% human skin. Yeah. Ugh,
0: whatever. Yeah. It was definitely that vibe. Yeah. All that shit floating around. So big blast hole in the side of it. You know, dead officers in there. New Republic officers. So the New Republic has yeah. Lambda-class shuttles now. That's pretty sick. They like commandeered that ship. Yeah. They're just like floating there dead in it. So he's he's reporting. He's on the comm live with um headquarters or whatever, right? And assesses via a probe. New thing about astromex that the the little pop up on on the the, you know comes out the top of their dome that thing apparently can detach and go out as a probe and zero g's works great just works great so he sends it out in into the uh, into the shuttle establishes that this is the transport shuttle that was taking off gideon to go to trial never made it there and he's he just comes to the conclusion that this was obviously like an extraction someone attacked the shuttle took him out there's no sign of his body just the dead officers. And he also sees very last thing, a shard of Beskar steel lodged in the inside of the cabin. So let's not speculate. Mm. Psych. Let's speculate right now. Where the hell is that going? Mm. Psych. Bond next to me was like, dude, these are, these are remnants of the maldolorians
2: I, I don't, I, I think I'm going to need, I'm, I'm going to need to be taught here. I think what you guys
3: think it is, to be honest. Originally, I'm like, Oh my gosh, was it Thrawn placing, Planting evidence to make the new republic and the new rising Mandalorian fight each other so that he can just do his thing, right? Makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: We know that there is a serious empire imperial stronghold somewhere enough to find Bo Katan, right? And because, like, we know at this point that Thai interceptors do not have uh, they don't have hyperdrives, Thai bombers do not have hyperdrives, so they had to launch from somewhere. We never saw the Star Destroyer, right? So there is, there is clearly like someone out there with some heavy firepower. This might tie into Ahsoka. We don't know. But if there are Mandalorians out there, and the other thing that was important to remember is that when Din first sees Bo-Katan, he's like, where are the other night owls? And she's like, I'm, I'm not a ruler. They don't follow me anymore. They left. They're mercenaries now. I was like, ba-ding! Mm. It's Axe and Coska Reeves. So that wow. was my that was my thought. and then at the same time, I'm like, we have Fen Rao, we have Gar, we have the Saxon clan Saxon that's still out there yeah. that were like Maldalorian loyalists. And so I think we're gonna start to see where Gideon played a role. you know remember Gideon, I mean the client, the original client of season one of the Mandalorian. Was like, what do you need Beskar, Pfft, buddy? I got Beskar. Like, where do you yeah. get the Beskar? Like Moff Gideon clearly has an intimate relationship with Mandalore, so I'm sure they're a Mandalorian loyalist to him. And someone got him out, and it's either it's either Axe and it's Koska, and they're just fighting it, or if Star Wars weren't cowards, they'd make it Boba Fett.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, now, people uh, are gonna tweet at us about that one. It's called a joke. Look it up. Um, (laughs) Meg Meg Dutcher in the patron chat here says, how did the shard get there without the entire Mandalorian getting blown up? Because it is Beskar, after all. That's a great question.
2: Yeah, like, it's not, right. So, like, it's not going to be, like, uh, the tip of, like, one of those Beskar spears broken off. You're
3: not breaking that shit off. I mean, unless... I mean, the other thing... You know, what... what, The the other theory could be... You know, is Gideon worth something? Is he worth something enough that Sabine Wren goes in there and gets him out and says, all right, I know you know where Thrawn is, so we'll get you out of here yeah. and you tell us what to do. That seemed a little too brutal for Sabine. But like the scene that she left it, Ahsoka, like there would, I feel like we would have seen some lightsaber-ish something but like she would have had to put the 1950s helmet back on from clone wars Um, but sabine i mean you have to think like who who would be able to do a space extraction and it's got to be mandalorian because they have the ceiling helmets and the jetpacks. so i mean i think that it's enough for us to go off it's
2: yeah that that that's a it's a whole nother thing they had to get in there and get him out without him experiencing zero g and
3: it's almost like he'd be familiar you know, minus with a mandalorian
2: helmet whatever 400 something
0: celsius yeah mm-hmm.
3: yeah Huh, interesting.
0: But there's a lot more to come. We're only halfway through this season. There's I mean we we could find out next week. You know? Who knows? We could. We probably yeah. will. Alright, let's get into the Den of Antiquities, because we are running long. For over a thousand generations. It is the dark save of gosh. It's a
3: Kalikori. A Sith wayfinder. Dark Science. Cloning. The
0: secrets only the Sith knew.
3: All right, so uh, when you walk in, we first see the, the biggest thing. Of course, everyone's freaking out about Zeb, but what you didn't see, if you weren't totally paying attention, was that we had the three pilots that destroyed the original prison from season one, which was Jib Dodger, uh, Sash Ketter, and Trapper Wolf, who also in their real life is Rick Famuyiwa, who is the director and executive producer of this show. His, he was the Bill Burr episode of season two. Deborah Chow is the director. Uh, she's directed a couple episodes of The Mandalorian, but most notably directed Obi Wan, the series. Mm-hmm. And that guy with that funky hat on that's now canon because he doesn't take it off <laughs> is none other than Trapper Wolf, Dave Filoni, who is the higher archy of all Star Wars right now. So, holy. F- holy. Yeah, that was a good one. So, good. anyway, so there they were. They were sitting there, and uh, I thought that was pretty cool a couple of little details you can see, uh, in this, I mean, it gave me Top Gun vibes for sure, but the pilot's lounge, um, we have new armor party shout out. We have new OT style flight suits that are dark blue and they're all kind of cobbled together. So something that was kind of interesting was Zeb is actually rocking a, uh, resistance style vest and a resistance style chest plate, which is pretty cool. So we've got, uh, OT, uh, and shout out to one of our patrons, Jason Shioto, New Hope Workshop. Um, dude just finished like he just joined every club over like the last month and he's just an absolute wizard about loving the pilot suit. And so he's filled in a lot of stuff. We've got um, the OTX wing suits in dark blue, which is the first time we've ever seen that. Kind of like Rogue One, we saw the Blue Squadron. Uh, and then we have uh, A-wing belts, ejector harnesses, the boots with re- resistance chest boxes. So we are certainly, like, getting into resistance tech, which is pretty cool. And uh, there's actually a resistance bomber helmet on one of the Pirates, yeah. Paige Tico, right? they have got those bomber helmets. Yeah, yeah we yeah. saw one of those. And then there's a Y-wing helmet sitting up on the on the shelf in the lounge, so... Uh, and then for the first time ever, we saw Moncala X-Wing Pilot. How do you fit their head in there? I don't know, but I like it.
0: Big-ass helmet. <laughs> that is that is big-ass helmet. Hey, I, well, let's just make it official. That that place where they're hanging out, it's, that's the hard deck. That's the bar from Top Gun.
3: That's a hard deck. Yes. So uh, you heard it here first and thank the maker. Uh, General Tuttle is a nod to Terry Gilliam's Brazil, which is a satirical film about a dystopian society ruled by rubber stampers showing off modern government's inefficiency, which is pretty on the nose. But you know what? The New Republic seems to be letting quite a lot go under their nose. So that's a pretty good shout out Tim Meadows' character, General Tuttle. Um, Two of the Mandos. Uh, when they go back to Navarro, still have the Death Watch Shriek Hawk symbol, which goes to show you that there are still many Vizlas around in this Covert. Uh, And that should make something very interesting for when, where we go with the Kree's clan, the Cass clan, and the Vizlas. Um, Mandos blasters are modeled off of Bosk's blaster, which is kind of this like shotgun looking thing. It's actually a a Relby grenade launcher. So again, if you're into little details like that, that's cool. Uh, Lieutenant Reed, who is one of the people who, one of the New Republic officers who helped Carson find out where he needs to go was mac played by max lloyd jones and he was actually the first body double for luke skywalker in the mandalorian season two finale that's where i knew that name yep grief karga says he shot first love it <laughs> which we all know if you if you're a star wars fan you know exactly who shot first was a was it han and everyone knows han solo is a cold-blooded killer uh we can end the discussion
2: and i don't I don't think it's in here, but I said it earlier that um, Zeb said, "Good luck, you're gonna need it." Yeah, which was Han, Lando, and Jedi, right? You're gonna need it. Yep. Isn't that a direct quote from from Jedi?
3: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Love that. Uh, the uh, the Snivian bartender that helps uh, that's giving everyone drinks at the lounge. Uh, you remember they're kind of like the little pig species with the little uh, they've got the little fangs that stick out the bottom that we first mm-hmm. see them in the cantina on. in A New Hope, so that was kind of a fun one, and that's played by Misty Roses, who was uh, uh, she did uh, the Frog Lady and many, quill, and many many, many characters already in the show, so that's really cool to see that. Uh, Gorian says, uh, when they think we have to retreat, he says, oh, and a puffer pig's eye. Puffer pigs? Now, the yeah. Rebels shout out here. That was a hilarious episode in which they had to get, smuggle some puffer pigs out, and they couldn't scare them, or else they start floating around the ship. Uh, so puffer pigs are canon. That was not a children's show. It's
0: fully canon now. Most Star Trek episode of Rebels. Yep,
3: absolutely. Um, the Gorian ship is finally identified as called, being called a Corsair, which is a warship that used to rival the Chiss Ascendancy's ships. So, Ryan Key. Mm. Or thrawn connections i'm ready dude i'm so ready i like it <clears throat> i'm liking it i really like it uh so if you're wondering if you're like ryan you haven't watched uh, rebels yet Zeb, that uh character in there you might have seen it if you played fallen order i have done that there you go and so you'd recognize the species which is a lassat and uh they kind of have uh they have a very distinct look to them they're about eight feet tall and they're tough as hell Uh, and that is the same species as Cal master rest in peace Jaro Paul. I felt really stupid when I knew how stoked you guys were Like for the reason you guys
2: were as stoked as you were because when I saw him I was like oh sweet same species as Jaro like I I knew that and I was like that's cool (laughs) but you guys were all going like oh my god rebels and I'm just not (laughs) cool enough to know now I know how uncool
3: I am carry on so that's it. So anyway, so that in in a you know, there's a couple other things that I'm I'm re-watching it as we're talking here and I'm like, oh man, there's some other there's some juicy stuff in here. But uh I feel like yeah, the den was pretty stacked for uh, an episode design-wise, I'm loving all of these little pieces here. We've got even more of these these key cards. I feel like this show just picked up massive speed, and I feel like next week mm-hmm. is gonna be insane. So yeah, let's uh let's get there.
0: I want a full tray of those key cards on my desk at all times for no reason but to look at maybe pick them up rearrange them
3: ramey is listening
0: to this and he's ready ready to party all right let's do i love you i know i love you i know favorite scenes favorite moments favorite quotes let's hear from the patrons first ryan key
2: how many you want me to do
0: do a few. Do you do a few of your favorites? And um, I know there's going to be a lot of consistency, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of the same stuff. So use your personal best judgment.
2: Okay, let's go with um, patron patron escrow forty two. These are Mando and Bad Batch since we're kind of covering both on this episode. So uh, for Mando, why not escrow forty two? What a fantastic episode! My favorite moment has to be when the armor and bow unite. There is something about seeing two strong, amazing women of Star Wars who you thought were enemies, come together and unite. I cannot wait to see what happens next. Love that too. Agreed. That's for all the people that stopped listening to our podcast because too much politics.
0: Yeah. Too political.
3: <laughs> yeah. You guys, you guys are. It's really bad. I know. We're the worst.
2: You don't have to leave that in there, but I just...
0: Oh, it's standing. <laughs> in case S.
2: Crow was listening. Um, leave it. Bad Batch. There was no favorite. Everything is pain. I haven't cried <laughs> that much in a very long time. I should have known when they gave Tech so much character development, my sweet angel. Mm. Man, uh, dude, and so I'm going to just say this real quick. I watched uh my my dear bud Paul Marino who is doing my Star Wars tattoos. He's such a kind man. He had um convention, a tattoo convention in uh, Orlando this com- coming weekend. So we're recording this on a, on a Wednesday night. He's working Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Came early to Florida to come to my house and tattoo me. And while we were letting... I'm 43 years old and I've done both of my sleeves more than twice already. So I've earned my stripes. So I put the numbing cream all over my arms, you know, before I get tattooed. So while I'm waiting like two hours for this numbing agent to work on my skin, we we, we caught up on badge, Bad Batch. Uh, he had already seen the episodes leading up to the finale uh, today, but I hadn't seen those last two, so I watched them. And I love that that Paul, he was so pumped on tech. The point of this story is Paul is as big or a bigger Star Wars fan and encyclopedia than any of us on this show are. So he was so pumped to watch them with me. He had already seen them. And he like consistently throughout the two episodes we watched, which were, I think... We watched 12 and 13. Maybe I'm wrong with the numbers, but either way, those are the two we watched consistently just like tech. God, I love tech. Tech's so awesome. <laughs> Every time tech did anything, he was like, oh yeah. And I didn't get to watch these with him because he left to go to the convention. But man, if he hasn't watched them yet, Paul, if you haven't watched them yet and you're listening to this, sorry, bud, I'll dry your tears. I'll dry your tears for you. Come swing back by on your way home. Okay. Logi, Kenobi patron, Logi, Kenobi, uh, from Mando. Garazab Aurelius. That was all caps, period. All caps, period. First and last name. <laughs> First official live action appearance of a Rebels character. And while it was just a fun cameo, it was so sick to see him. I'll die on the hill of Rebels being in the top 2% of Star Wars content out there to this day. Well, Logiwan, you have sold me. It's time. I need to get over this hump and get it done. Here we go. You heard it here. Let's get a good droid beep here because this is a, this is an ex- not suitable for work favorite moment sky's the limit uh patron sky's the limit favorite mando when Paz got up and started talking i was like man this guy <laughs> then when he flipped the message i was like oh yeah this guy <laughs> yeah. Uh, <nice. laughs> that's so good although i may actually have been more excited when the credits showed and confirmed the voice i heard was the exact Lasat i thought it was yes another throw to zeb sky's the limit from bad batch I'm honestly so gutted from losing tech that I can't remember the good parts. Same. I said that earlier tonight. It's all a blur. It's the the episode before the final episode. It's just a blur. Like I know kind of what it was, but I don't know. It was so overwhelming to lose a character. It's been a minute since we've had a moment like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm honestly so gutted from losing tech that I can't remember the good parts. I suppose it's got to be the music at the end because it captured how forlorn and lost I felt. What a thing Star Wars is, you know?
0: What a treat. You want any more? Uh, Give us one more. Okay. It's a big episode. Yeah. Patron
2: Peyton P. Yeah. This is going to be just Mando. This episode had it all. Love that friend of the pod Paul is back and in such a prominent role. Uh, When the Lassat appeared, I flipped a little. Was it really Zeb? I wanted it to be so badly and jumped to the credits to confirm. So cool. The age of streaming, eh? I knew the misdirection with Paz was happening and that he'd support Din. Same, brother. I said that. Love that. Uh, but the armor is throwing me off. They need a leader to retake Mandalore, and they all know it must be the Darksaber and Mythosaur. Maybe they do it together in creating a new path, but for TV drama's sake, the ambitions of different parties leave the plot ripe for m- moody Mando conflict. Who knows, right? I wasn't smart enough to connect the previous land offering to be a potential sediment for the Covert. I'm excited to see where this is going. Sick. Smart people listen to our show.
0: Mike, what was your favorite? Um...
3: I mean, I feel like I've I've pretty much been a fan of any time I've seen fast ship go fast, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much any time, and I've, I've said that on the podcast. I've been very clear about that. Um, but I think the evolution of the Mandalorians, like there were a lot of big moves here for them. I think coming out of the covert, this idea that I think Paz used to say, like we were once proud a proud peoples right that we didn't have to hide we didn't have to be in the covert because they thought that like the imperials were still coming to to smoke them out and they did like they risked a lot by going to saved in in the first season right i mean you could you remember the body the the pile of the armor and all that stuff i mean there were heavy consequences to that so i can understand what a big move this was for them to essentially like expose themselves and be like, Hey, we're here. So I think there was a lot of development for the theory of where the Mandalorian mentality is. Right. And I think we're about to see that come to a head. And I also am really excited to see what happens for Bo-Katan because like, we've known that she's always imagined herself as a ruler. She's failed multiple times at it. And so the Armorer is like, we think that you can be the ones to unite it, but she can't unite Mandalore without that damn dark saber Mm -hmm. and so we're gonna have to something's gonna have to go down so as much as i like ship go fast i think i was actually really stoked with the progression of the mandalorians i mean to see them in action of course was awesome like they're like you know they're tacticians i think it was really cool to see them work as almost like swat they just like we're moving through the city call of duty mode yeah it was very cool um so it was cool to, to finally see them not just you know Shooting blasters into uh, a canyon because that's all they can do in their hideout. Yeah. So that was really, I think that was really cool. It's it's making me not that I wasn't super excited for next week, but um, I think that was a big progression for Bo Katan for the Mandalorians and the Easter eggs. Zeb, all right, fine. What do you want to say, Zeb? Yeah, that was the yeah. that was the best thing I've seen. Sure, yep. In Ryan, how about you? So.
2: I feel like this happens to me when it's like an action packed episode like that with a montage and all none of those are gonna are like my standout favorite moments. It's always kind of an obscure thing, like a cinematic moment or a score moment, you know, something like that. Um, and I mentioned this earlier in the episode. The scene with Carson and the Lambda class
0: f- freighter, yes, yes,
2: really reminded me of a scene in a Danny Boyle film called Sunshine. If you've never seen that film, it is an unsung hero in his collection of films that he's directed agreed it's based on a novel it's unreal but the 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 camera work and the vibe of the probe even before the probe went into the ship the camera felt like a probe you know pushing Mm -hmm. slowly into the blaster hole it just really made me think of a scene scenes in that film it's a very haunting empty desolate space film like they're out there so far they're almost to the sun they're so far from earth and that it just felt that way of like you, you never forget Star Wars in, is in space, but you forget that Star Wars is in space. Does that make sense? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Like there's so many things in Star Wars that we chalk up to like, oh well, we don't know what their tech is that defy the laws of physics and the rules of space, you know? And and so you you don't often remember like if the walls of that ship blow out, they're exposed to the vacuum of space. So just as a science nerd and a space nerd, the whole concept of like, oh, we're finally seeing some people who froze to death and suffocated in the vacuum of space. And like, they're just floating, like haunting in this ship. So anytime you give me a big cinematic, spooky, you know, incredibly shot thing like that, it's going to be my favorite moment. But also when it's, I think uncharacteristic for Star Wars. I think I gravitate towards being like, wow, that was really cool. And what a cool chance. Or what, what a cool risk to take is the right word, I think. So my favorite moment for sure was that final. Again, it was like a stinger, but it happened before the credits.
0: Yeah, that, that was so dope. And, and I love when we're getting the kind of the level of plot progression and story and just like banger hit after hit type episode when you're like, oh no, please don't be over. And then they bring another sick scene that's the false ending and then another one it's just it's so satisfying so that was great for me as well but i'm like mike like it's it's hard to not pick the top gun moments like the dog fighting just keeps getting cooler in Mm -hmm. this i don't know if it's just because favreau's such a top gun fan or if they're all just such top gun fans or if they're like well rogue squadron isn't happening so let's just do it here Mm -hmm. it's it's just so sick so it's it's hard not to call that my favorite. And I, I guess the other the other Top Gun reference favorite moment was the hard deck pilot's lounge.
3: It's pretty sweet,
0: and dude. Seeing <laughs> seeing everyone there chilling and then <laughs>
3: with leather jackets. Yeah. With leather jackets hey. on. Like everyone's got leather jackets with patches on it. I'm like, dude, <laughs> yeah, this is so dude. Good.
0: <laughs> I said it out loud. Carson walking with his, I was like, dude, sick jackets. It's literally what I'm looking up. I'm trying to find the the leather jacket right now. (laughs) So dope.
3: List is long.
0: Distinguished. distinguished. I was just waiting for somebody in that pub to say, you figured out yet? (laughs) What's that? Ah. Who's best pilot? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's just, it's always going to be that for me, but I will say on an emotional level and on on like a character development and um, story growth level, the conversation with the armorer and Bo-Katan and that suspense of where she going to go with this was perfectly paced Mm -hmm. and really paid off. So as usual, I'm cheating and picking like four different scenes. Classic, classic Adam, the skull. I won't say anything about bad batch officially, other than the obvious thing that tech's death was a brilliantly paced scene. And, so emotionally impactful. I just I can't say enough good stuff about that series. And we'll we'll spend an hour or two or four saying all the good things about that series. Saying good things. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's wrap it up and get out of here. Um follow me on social media at Adam the Skull, Mike at Hondo Supply, Ryan at William Ryan Key, Patreon.com slash ThinkThemaker Pod. You can hang out with us live like we're doing right here. You can get exclusive merch, Discord access, all kinds of stuff. Thanks for being your patrons. Listeners, thanks for listening. Dudes, good hanging with you in this opposite side of the world. Daytime, nighttime dynamic. Go take a nap. That's not going to happen, but I'll hopefully live through today. You're so close to being home. So close. And until next time, may the force be with you. If you enjoy Thank the Maker, you can support us by following and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Or you can support us directly at patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod, where you can get access to our Discord server, exclusive content, exclusive merch, our recording live stream, and more. Our patrons quite literally make Thank the Maker possible.